Live from New York City, it's the Gary Null Show. And now, your host, Gary Null. Hi, everyone. I'm Gary Null. Nice to have you with us today. We're going to be talking about the reasons you should be drinking coconut water as your beverage of choice. Asparagus does some terrific things nutritionally for us. Acupuncture is really important important for women who have breast cancer. We have a lot to share on health and nutrition, including cinnamon for Parkinson's disease and much more. Plus, we'll also be talking about, do you ever wonder why in some states it's so difficult to get any cooperation from your local utility company to put in solar? Now we know. ALEC, the American Legislative Change Council, is being funded by the utility trade groups to attack solar. So we'll deal with that. Show you what went on behind the scenes at a national conference where your state legislators sat down with ALEC representatives and ALEC wrote up these laws that they're to take back and pass in their states. And you thought your legislators worked for you. The U.S. cities with the worst climate change-related flooding. Some places that you're going to get a lot worse flooding. In fact, some of the flooding has been 600% higher than ever before. Why is it that we stigmatize and shun the severely ill? Eavesdropping on America, the National Security Agency's Orwellian Surveillance State. What are the biggest threats to human existence? Genetically modified organisms have not been proven safe. We have so much to cover, and throughout the program, we'll be taking your calls. Our number to call in, 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. We also realize many people listen over the telephone. Now, historically, you listened only on a land-based radio, what's called a terrestrial radio. But because people are so mobile today, uh, they like to either have their computer, their laptop. We have a gazillion people listening over that, but also telephones. So if you should ever be in a situation where you want to hear the show and you're not near your computer or a land base station, let me give you the two phone numbers you can call in and listen to the show. 401 347 0456 401 and 712-432-7231. 712-432-7231. Let's begin. <clears throat> From the University of Pennsylvania, a really good study showing that acupuncture provides significant quality of life improvements amongst breast cancer patients and that will help prevent reoccurrence. This is the latest study. There are thousands of studies showing how it benefits us, but this one, it was able to de decrease joint pain by 50% of breast cancer patients, and these are patients also on meds, so 
It's important, quote, since many patients experience pain, fatigue, anxiety, and depression simultaneously, our results provide an opportunity to offer patients one treatment that may target multiple symptoms, and that's acupuncture. So that's good news. So if you know someone who has breast cancer, get them on acupuncture. Asparagus is generally a seasonal vegetable. It's a cruciferous vegetable, and as we know, there are lots of studies showing that broccoli and broccoli sprouts, asparagus, um, mustard greens, and kale, there's a whole lot of family um, members of the cruciferous group. The more of those you eat, the better your body biochemistry reacts to helping prevent cancers. Here's the latest reason. This is from Natural News, and it talks about what they have discovered. This is according to a Professor Raj, New York University Langone Medical Center, quote, your body breaks down asparagus during digestion into sulfur-containing chemicals. And uh, furthermore, the some people on different websites are looking at this and saying, there's a lot of studies showing it improves digestive health. For example, in asparagus, you have a very a rare form of carbohydrate called inulin, I-N-U-L-I-N, which, unlike other carbohydrates, don't break down in the first parts of the digestive tract. Rather, it's not until it reaches the large intestine that it gets digested, making it the perfect food for certain bacteria, which in turn helps with nutrient absorption, reduce colon cancer risk, and allergy relief. That's what asparagus does. Now, we know that it fights cancer. Quote, asparagus and asparagus extracts can change the metabolic activity of cancer cell types, and these changes are protective in nature and related to better regulation of inflammation and oxidative stress. And also, it's specifically pertaining to lung cancer and leukemia. Better eye health and skin health. It's rich in vitamin A, and we know that that helps the skin, the lungs, intestinal tissue, and the eyes. But it's also good for our bones and wound healing. Why? Because it's rich in vitamin K, and we know that vitamin K helps prevent osteoporosis and helps assist in blood clotting and wound healing. Those are just some of the reasons why we should be having asparagus. Now, how do you eat asparagus? Don't eat it raw because it won't digest very much. Instead, steam it gently, then run cold water over it, blanch it, then marinate it along with broccoli and cauliflower. I use olive oil, a little bit of coconut oil, and then whatever seasonings you like. You can make a wonderful marinade with mustard or mustard seeds, and uh, you can make your own sweet relish. Then you put that onto a, a salad, and it's delicious. Nice way to eat it. Did a heavy workout today, <clears throat> almost five hours long, getting ready for some races. And I always have coconut water, organic coconut water with me because I know that it gives my body electrolytes. I know that it is better than any of those electrolyte drinks that are on the market, the common ones people go for. And... It is low in sodium, but high in potassium. In fact, it has more potassium than any of the other drinks you can have. So I would say definitely get your, um, definitely get your coconut water. 
But there's some other reasons also, not just to replace electrolytes and potassium. We know that cytokinins, cyto, C-Y-T-O, kinins, K-I-N-I-N-S, or kinins, have actually been found to exert anti-aging effect on human cells and tissues. Here's why. When your cells are exposed to cytokinins, aging slows down considerably. Cells treated with cytokinins don't undergo the normal degenerative changes, so they don't act their age. Researchers have suggested that if you consume a diet rich in cytokinins, you can have anti-aging effects, and coconut water has that. It also has uh, a lot of nutrients that aid in our body's enzyme system. Um, It's composed of naturally occurring bioactive enzymes such as acid phosphatase, catalase, dehydrogenase, diastase, paradoxase, and RNA polymers. And all these are good for you. They really help digestion. So if you know someone who's having indigestion, bloating, gas, distension, give them some coconut water. It's also got B-complex, folates, and it's extremely hydrating because of its electrolyte composition. And staying hydrated, A, will make you feel fuller longer, creates satiety, and gets rid of some of the sugar, sugar cravings. And pure coconut water is just as effective as a carbohydrate electrolyte sports drink at rehydrating exercise-trained men after a 60-minute bout of dehydrating exercise. That was in the Journal of International Society of Sports Nutrition. So, for digestion, anti-aging, heart and kidney health, because coconut water helps reduce the risk of hypertension and strokes. And it fuels the brain and muscles because of its electrolyte. And coconut water improves nervous system functioning and nerve transmission and helps prevent cramps. And there are five essential electrolytes. You've got potassium, sodium, magnesium, phosphorus, and calcium. None of the other things can touch that. Now, a nutrient you just never hear anyone talking about is inositol, I-N-O-S-I-T-O-L, inositol. Inositol is a nutrient that was formerly classified as a member of the B-complex family. And because inositol is produced in the human body, it's not considered an essential nutrient, meaning it does not have to be obtained through your diet or other means. However, getting extra inositol is extremely beneficial, and lots of scientific studies prove this. In fact, there was a meta, meaning many, analysis, so they looked at a lot of different studies. To confirm this, it's good for depression, especially among women dealing with menopausal symptoms, and it can help alleviate obsessive-compulsive disorder, agoraphobia, and panic attacks. And it helps with uh, PCOS which is polycystic ovarian syndrome. And that's when a woman has an irregular period or acne or hair loss or insulin resistance. It combats insulin resistance and therefore is good for diabetes, especially when taken with alpha-lipoic acid. It was able to bring down triglycerides by over 43%. And it reduced the risk of uh, diabetes in two separate studies. So get your inositol. Generally, 
100 to 200 milligrams is fine. Now, we have a lot of people suffering from Parkinson's or the beginning of Parkinson's in our society. And there's no one single nutrient or food that is a superstar. They, there are a lot of them that make a difference, like coenzyme Q10 and NADH. But there's another one to add to that list of the supplements that you're using for Parkinson, and that is cinnamon. Yeah, good old cinnamon. It has made a difference. Now, we know that Parkinson's is characterized by the loss of neurons in the substantia nigra. That's the area of the brain that produces dopamine and affects movement. And typical symptoms, you've seen it. You know, the tremors, the slow movements, the stiffness, the balance problems. Currently, there are very few options to treat it, none that work as far as orthodox therapy. Well, here's why cinnamon is important. In a laboratory study, Parkinson's type disease um, was treated with cinnamon, and they found that it made a difference, especially on the neurons. Why? We know now that the neurons are very important because that's where your that's where your cells in your brain communicate, store data. That's where they have their energy, the mitochondria. And they were protected when cinnamon was used. So one more thing to use is cinnamon. Also, we have a lot of Americans taking synthetic hormone replacement. According to Dr. Brownstein in Health Impact News, not a good idea. Why? Because in his newsletter of just June of this year, he says that, quote, studies have shown that women who take thyroid hormone for more than 15 years have a higher risk of breast cancer than those who have not taken thyroid hormone. Now, the question is, is the thyroid hormone you're referring to synthetic or is both synthetic or natural? Is it desiccated thyroid hormone that's causing the cancer? And uh, that's what's important. So the unfortunate part of this is that, unfortunately, it is true. There is an association between long-term thyroid hormone use and breast cancer. Um, however, from I've written a paper on this with Dr. Martin Feldman. And yes, uh, the study found a 200% increased risk of breast cancer in women who took thyroid hormone for 15 years compared to women who didn't take it at all. And so you ask, how could that be? The answer is simple. The increased breast risk in thyroid supplement women is due to iodine deficiency. If the majority of the women were deficient in iodine, then taking thyroid hormone would be the wrong treatment. Thyroid supplementation increases the body's metabolic needs and therefore increases the body's need for iodine. If someone is iodine deficient and is prescribed thyroid hormone, thyroid supplementation will worsen the iodine deficiency problem. And uh, I believe that iodine deficiency could be responsible for why one in seven U.S. women are suffering with breast cancer. So what is the solution? If you're prescribed thyroid hormone to have your iodine uh, levels checked, you have, if you have, let's say, if you're low in iodine, it is best to either correct iodine deficiency first or at least take iodine concurrently with thyroid hormone. 
iodine is needed by the breast tissue to maintain normal breast architecture free of cysts, nodules, and cancer. So what if you're already taking thyroid hormone and you're not supplementing with iodine? The question is, is it too late to have your iodine levels tested? Keep in mind that the thyroid gland often improves its function when iodine deficiency is rectified. Therefore, if you are already taking thyroid hormone, starting iodine supplement may require you to lower your dose of thyroid hormone. An iodine expert should be who you see. The best one I know of in the New York area is Dr. Martin Feldman. He really knows his stuff. And he's one of the best holistic doctors that I know of in the country. Now, one last thing. Taurine, T-A-U-R-I-N-E, may inhibit acrylamide formation. This was in the International Journal of Food Science and Technology. Now, why is this important? Because taurine is the ingredient most famously linked to energy drinks. And now we see that it actually is able to lower the uh, levels of acrylamide. Now, why is this important? Because taurine is a derivative of the amino acid cysteine. It's found naturally in foods, including seafood, and it's gained a certain notoriety by being used as an ingredient in energy drinks with some national regulators questioning the safety of the ingredient. And taurine is used in energy drinks because some report it helps boost energy. I haven't seen the fact on that. It is known that Taurine can participate in the Mallard reaction that produces acrylamide and therefore may reduce the production of acrylamide. And that's been shown. Just remember acrylamide. Despite being a carcinogen in the laboratory, many epidemiological studies reported that everyday exposure to acrylamide in food is probably not as high as people uh, think it is. But then when you start eating on a regular basis toast, bagels, um, sandwiches like a grilled cheese sandwich, hot dogs and hamburgers, pizza, all that crusting, all that browning, that creates acrylamide. And that is a carcinogen. So you don't want acrylamides. You want something that help lessen it. And that's just one study that shows that. I'm Gary Nall. We're here to talk about the issues that impact our lives. I'm going to open up the phones now. You can call us at 888 874 I want to go to a public health issue. This is from Larry Schwartz from Alternet. And I look at I look at around us and I ask a simple question. What really is impacting our existence? Today, China had an earthquake, a 6.1, and hundreds and hundreds of people were killed, thousands made homeless, thousands of buildings collapsed. Nobody was aware of it um, in the United States because it wasn't an important lead story. In America, we have a, a basic philosophy. If it bleeds, it leads. So carnage, devastation, plane wrecks, uh, horrific um, you know, terrorist attacks, that we are given inundated with. Good news, things that can actually help improve the quality of our lives, we're not given. So look almost every single night for weeks on weeks and some of the networks lead with the border problems. They're not even talking about global climate change. And I saw the uh, budget for some of the major foundations. 
200 to 500 million dollars a year in assets these corporations have and yet i look at all the the major demonstrations people from this audience have attended and that we have helped either participate in or led like uh, the closing up indian point and other nuclear facilities we've had multiple demonstrations from the governor's office and on on the west side and march against monsanto and I have never seen or encountered a single person because I always ask, how did you get here? Where did you hear about this? Now, this isn't unique here because I travel all over the United States. I'm on the road now. So I have an idea of who's out there doing stuff. Most of the good stuff is done by grassroots people. So once again, you've got corporate Democrats who use their liberal status to make very comfortable livelihoods for themselves but when it comes to really leading, to doing demonstrations, to getting out the people, I don't know where they're at. Now, some of them I've had on the air, and some won't come on the air because I'll challenge them on you know, where they got their money. Some of them are getting their money from polluters. Well, if you're getting money from polluters, do you then make that polluter uh, and their industry uh, a high priority, or do you avoid them completely? And we've seen that they've vo- been avoided completely. You write a big check, suddenly you get out of jail free. So we've got a climate change problem, and it's growing. So don't wait for some major uh, well-known foundation to come up with a strategy to help us. They won't. They haven't. They're worthless, in my opinion. But despite all the climate change deniers, and there are many of them, Climate change is real. It is a cause of major suffering. It's a cause of a lot of our problems that we're seeing now. One of the big ones is the methane. Now, why am I concerned about methane, not just CO2, carbon dioxide? Because you have enormous storage of methane in the Arctic. The Arctic is not a deep water place. In fact, it's shallow compared to the rest of the ocean of the world. You have one of the largest boreal forests and one of the largest landmace permafrost in the world in Siberia, northern Russia, clear across Greenland, Canada. It's thawing. As it thaws, the gases that were there in the giant peat bogs, they're giving off methane. In fact, now we can see with the clearing of ice at this time of year in the Arctic, tens of thousands of bubble, uh, like chimneys, a bubble coming up. That's methane being released. That's serious, and no one's paying attention to it. So as we burn carbon and increase our meat-eating ways, and more and more greenhouse gases are building up in the atmosphere, it's pretty easy to see the end game of this scenario. Uh, we're going to end up having climate that is so radically changed that the normal plants that are grown will not be able to because it's too hot. We're also running out of water in Kansas, Colorado, New Mexico, North Dakota, uh, Iowa, Idaho, most of California, and on 80% of Texas. Georgia, Alabama, and northern Florida are right there also. 
Well, that's fine if you run out of water on one hand, if you don't have anyone living there, if you don't have anything growing there. But we do. This is not the Sahara Desert. These are densely populated areas and increasing in density. Strange to think that people would look to buy a home in any of these places without first looking, is there going to be water? What is happening with the forest? Is there a risk? They're not. We're kind of like in a mad rush to get to a place without looking at where we're going. So the carbon keeps burning, the CO2 keeps rising, resulting in a slowly rising average Earth temperature, despite the occasional freezing cold winter. And see, there's where the, the people or the skeptics say, look at today. You know, we had a, the coldest day on, look at the snow, the worst snow, uh, and just think of those climate change people. Yeah, and why do you think you had the most snow? Why do you think you have the most rain? Why do you think you have the worst flooding? Why do you think you have a giant um, hail last week in, in a sunny resort in Russia? First time they've ever had in their history because of climate change. The scientists know this, but those who run the industries that cause this don't want us to know this. So as the Earth's temp temperature has been rising steadily since the Industrial Revolution, unleashing our carbon-burning frenzy, we are looking at the hottest years in recorded history. In fact, the hottest years in recorded history have occurred in the last decade. This is Bill McKibben, who I've had on this program many times. Here's what he says in his latest posting. Quote, The Arctic ice cap is melting, releasing more greenhouse gases. The great glacier from Greenland is thinning, both with disconcerting and unexpected speed. The oceans are distinctly more acid, and their level is rising. The greatest storms on our planet, hurricanes and cyclones, have become more powerful. The great rainforest of the Amazon is drying on its margins. The great boreal forest of North America is dying in a matter of years. Then this new planet looks more or less like our, our own, but clearly isn't, end quote. I am one of the environments who believe, after looking at all the data, that we have far past our turning point. We are tipping, and it will not be reversed. Because once you pass a certain threshold, then the warming will continue, and no one can control it. So we should do all we can to reduce the amount of CO2 and methane that we're releasing, and if we went to a vegetarian diet, a vegan diet, that would help. <clears throat> but we've got to do more. We have to challenge our dependency upon coal, oil, and gas. This leads me to the next issue, and that's last loss of biodiversity. And what does that mean? It means that human activity is responsible for massive extinctions of countless species on our Earth. Environmental News Service has reported as far back as 1999, quote, the current extinction rate is now approaching 1,000 times the background rate. That means what we would be considered a normal rate of extinction and may climb to 10,000 times the background rate during the next century. It means that just so many species are gone and are going to be gone. It's entirely possible that within all the people's lifespans right now, 
you will see the end of the ocean being able to supply food for all the people who now require it. You will certainly in the next five to ten years find that there will be days when it's simply too hot to go outside in many places in the United States around the world. We will find some of the most snowy and cold winters in history that will completely paralyze certain areas of the country. We've been having some of that. It's going to get worse. So you're going to have a lot of stuff, acid rain, the acidification, and all this could lead to the most horrific of things, and that is if it gets hot enough, and especially in the northern altitude if it gets hot, that could change the Arctic conveyor belt that brings warm water from the equator north up around the Arctic, Greenland, and then brings cold water south. If that happens, you're going to throw much of Europe into a modified ice age. You're going to have a terrible environment there. And fitamin, excuse me, and um, frogs, salamanders, and other species that are important in our ecosystem, they're dying. Bees are dying. The things that we need to pollinate are dying from neonicotinoids. We're doing nothing, absolutely zero about it. That's a big deal. That should be right up there on the top of all, all the people's talking points. It's called colony collapse disorder. This is from the CCD. Uh, no, excuse me. This is from the, uh, uh, the an environmental group. <clears throat> Quote, one of every three bites of food eaten worldwide depends upon pollinators, especially bees, for successful harvest. That's from Elizabeth Grossman. And uh, plants depend upon spreading their pollen to produce food. Bees are pollinators. No bees, no food. Or at least oh, at least a third less food. And right now, we have 50% die-off of all of our major bee colonies. Within the next 10 years, we could be out of bees altogether in the United States. Just remember, with reduced pollen in the hive... Fewer queen bees are produced, and eventually the colonies collapse. And our USDA and FDA, our scientific community, is completely corrupt. Every single thing they put out is a lie. That's one of the problems we have, a completely corrupt bureaucracy, massive bureaucracies. Name me an honest bureaucracy. Name me a bureaucracy that actually puts behind it political influence, lobbying, pressure, and power, and instead seeks to do the right thing for animals, humans, and the public. Do you know such an agency? I don't. Even something that no one ever thinks about, and that's bat decline. Keep in mind, bees are not the only pollinators dying off. Bats, too, are dropping like flies. As a result of deforestation, habitat destruction, and hunting, combined with a fatal fungal disease spreading among the bat population called white-nose syndrome, Bats are disappearing at an alarming rate. And besides contributing to the pollination crisis, the dwindling bat population brings around another possible human extinction scenario. As their habitats are destroyed, bats are increasingly crossing paths with the human population in search of food and shelter. With bats, you get bat viruses. Quote, It's very easy to see how pathogens can jump from animals to humans. From Echo Health Alliance, John Epstein. 
Every year, on average, five new infectious diseases pop up, and about 75% of these new diseases come from animals. So keep that in mind. And then we have pandemics. You're seeing the beginning of one in, in Africa right now with the Ebola virus. And yet we don't think that's possible. Well, remember 1918, a strain of influenza spread worldwide and killed 50 to about 50 million people. More than were killed in all of World War I. In the past several years, diseases like SARS have come close to igniting, but fortunately have not pandemics. And it's not because of vaccinations that have prevented it. We just have too much poverty. We have too many people living in unsanitary and unhealthy conditions. Without clean water and without proper sewage, without clean food, you get the medium for pandemics to occur. Let us not also forget something that's never in the news, and that's biological nuclear terrorism. There are plenty of down-and-dirty, run-of-the-mill terrorists, and a grand prize they all hope to get their hands on is a weapon of mass destruction, like a nuclear bomb or a vial of smallpox virus. We are vulnerable to terrorism because it's easier for a group to get a hold of necessary materials and technology and expertise to make weapons of mass destruction. And yet, we should be doing the right thing. We should be completely deconstructing, along with other partners in the world who have them, our nuclear facilities, and we should stop playing this game of breaking all the treaties, including the Nuremberg Treaty and the Geneva Convention. We should not manufacture, stock, or test biological weapons, and we have. I've written about it. I produced a documentary on it, and all it takes is one mistake. Also, we don't think about volcanoes in the United States because we haven't had a problem in a long time except for a couple of Mount St. Helens. But by the way, we've got a big one that is, uh, that is rumbling under Yellowstone Park under much of Wyoming. It's the largest one in the United States, one of the largest ones in the entire hemisphere. And volcanoes are bad, but then there's the supervolcano. Approximately every 50,000 years, the Earth experiences a supervolcano. That's more than 1,000 square kilometers of land that's obliterated by the pyroclastic ash flows. And the surrounding continent is coated in ash, and sulfur gases go into the atmosphere, making a thin veil of sulfuric acid all around the globe and reflecting back sunlight for years to come. Daytime becomes no brighter than a, a moonlit night. And uh, can it happen? Yeah. When was the last one? About 74,000 years ago. The most powerful supervolcano eruption in human history occurred in Indonesia. It was close to the equator and thus gases quickly passed in both hemispheres. Sunlight was blocked. Temperatures on Earth dropped worldwide for the next about five to six years below freezing even in the tropical regions, and a supervolcano eruption is 12 times more likely than an asteroid hitting the Earth. And then you have the rise of the machine. Now, we've heard of the rise of the machine from the Terminator films in Hollywood, but we have all these uh, companies thousands of companies who have gotten sweetheart contracts from the military-industrial spy complex, and they're under no supervision. 
They're accountable to no one. They work in secrecy. They have high secrecy clearance. In effect, they're a separate arm of government, and they have power. They make drones. They spy on people. The government doesn't do that. That's contracted out. And they're spending billions and tens of billions of dollars a year on this. And yet it's all done in secret. We wouldn't even know about this if it weren't for Snowden. So what do we do? What do the wonks on television do? They come on and they condemn him as a traitor. And exactly what did he do? Here's exactly what he did. He managed to get information on how the government was illegally uh, committing crimes against humanity and spying on citizens and doing other bad things. So for the man who exposes how bad and down and dirty and corrupt and immoral and psychopathic the leaders of the military, all of them, major leaders, I feel almost everyone in power today should be tested to see if they're psychopathic or sociopathic. Most, most sociopaths wouldn't make it into public view. Uh, they're the ones who do the dirty work. But boy, the ones who are charming, and uh, they're the ones who end up running for government. They're the, most of your politicians. Uh, almost all your power brokers, almost all your media titans, these are sociopaths. These are sick people. If they weren't sociopaths, then they would care about what happens to people under their watch and in their power view. They're not. They don't care. So you've got people who are mentally disturbed, who have severe problems, and they've aligned themselves with corporations that are greedy, run by equally um, corrupt-minded individuals, and they're all protected. So what do you think that's going to come up to be? How does that story end? So those are things I believe we should be paying attention to instead of everything that we're currently paying attention to. Now, something else from our public health segment. Genetically modified organisms have not been proven safe. This is according to Carol uh, Bartolotto from the Huffington Post. It's a short post, but good for her for posting it. Quote, the resounding claim of GMO proponents is that GMOs have been proven safe. Sometimes scientists are quite emphatic about this, uh, such as Dr. Pamela Ronald of UCL, uh, UC Davis, who says, quote, genetically engineered crops currently on the market are safe to eat and safe for the environment as organic or conventional foods, end quote. Dr. Roger Clements from the University of California Department of Pharmacology also weigh in saying, quote, they're tested and evaluated in voluminous documentation that would fill this backyard. We don't know of any healthy uh, health risks at this particular time, end quote. Dr. Clemens also defends, quote, food additives, sugar, and processed food. But I digress. The problem with concluding that GMOs are safe is that the argument for their safety rests solely on animal studies. These studies are offered as evidence that the debate over GMOs is over. Nothing could be further from the truth. Animal studies have value in that they sometimes demonstrate harm in animals. It would also likely cause harm in humans. Although some animal studies have found harm from GMO diet, these hotly debated studies are not the point of this article. The point is, if an animal study does not find harm with a particular substance, it could still harm, put, cause harm in humans. A good example of this is what happened with artificial sweeteners. 
the Food and Drug Administration approve artificial sweeteners for use using animal toxicological studies. Once these sweeteners were added to the food supply and labeled as such, scientists were able to do epidemiological studies in humans. Several of these found that artificial sweeteners are linked with negative health effects. The Framingham observational study found that both diet and regular sodas are associated with metabolic syndrome, which is a constellation of high blood sugar, elevated triglycerides, high blood pressure, all leading to increased heart disease. Yet another study revealed that diet sodas may increase the risk of diabetes. The Nurses' Health Study found that two or more diet sodas a day were associated with a 30% increase in kidney function problems. Yet none of these studies were found in animals' studies. Clearly, there are still many unknowns. Dr. Walter Willett from Harvard School of Public Health sums up things nicely by saying, quote, It is difficult to make blanket statements about the safety or risks of low-calorie sweeteners because all are very different from their structure and how they work in the body. The reality is some studies have been done in animals, but we really don't have good long-term data for humans. Okay, I'd like to add something to this um, piece from um, Carol. Carol, um, here's what you may not have been aware of. Certainly the listeners of this program are, because we have put together the most definitive article explaining the problems with GMO. We took all the talking points used in California and Washington State and other places by the the Grocery Manufacturers Association and and Coca-Cola and all the people Monsanto who support GMOs. And we found they were all misrepresentations, half-truths, or full errors. And we've responded to them. Example, we have animal studies done by Dr. Seralini. His article was rejected only after it was published, only after a person who was a strong supporter of GMOs got on the uh, board of directors of the magazine that published it. But thank goodness another peer-reviewed independent journal has published it again. Now, why is this important? Because virtually all the GMO studies stopped at three months. Now, the question is, why would they stop three months? And then we found out because Seralini didn't find the diseases manifesting in animals till after three months. Then massive tumors, renal tumors, etc. We have at least 20 different studies independent studies. Also, what you could have added is that that Dr. Angel, uh, the former editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, and now professor at Harvard, has stated that there's a lot of bad science, proprietary science. So here's what that means. It means if you're a manufacturer, you can, you can produce studies, and if 99 out of 100 of them are bad and show an increase in death, you don't have to show anyone those studies. If you have one that doesn't show a problem, then you publish that one, then you hype it up. Never trust a study done by a major organization that has a financial interest in it because they will hire ghostwriters, they hire scientists, uh, they fund departments, and then get uh, endorsements from those departments. 
it's a game. They've gamed the system. They bought everyone in the system. They put the ads in the medical journals. So which medical journal is going to say, we don't want $100 million in ads this year? So we're going to tell the truth. Your drug's terrible. No one's going to tell you that. So GMOs are bad for you. And why didn't you check to see whether or not University of Davis, California has received any money from Monsanto or those particular people have received money from Monsanto? Oh, yeah, Monsanto puts its money everywhere. And why is it that Monsanto purchased Blackwater, the infamous group that does the dirty work and uh, kill those innocent people uh, in, uh, over in, uh, in Iraq? Why? Why, why, don't, why didn't you ask those questions? Okay, that's all right. At least you got a good point made, and, and you got a lot of people. Hopefully they'll pay attention to it. I want to go to some calls now. We're going to take a break and come back and see what's on your mind. You can call us at 888-874-4888, 888-874-4888. I'm Gary Knoll, broadcasting right now in 166 countries, people listening over the telephone, number one in 4,000 different radio stations listening over the phone in New York, or in America, we're number one, more people listening, over, what is it, 12 million minutes? Lots of people listening. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. Let's say hello to Walter in Virginia. Hi, Walter. Your turn. Hey, hello, Gary. How are you this evening? Good, thank you. Where you, where where at in Virginia are you? I'm in Northern Virginia, in Arlington. All right. Um, I had a question regarding eye wash solutions. Um, the eye wash solutions that go directly into the eye to help cleanse the eyes. Um, I, most of them, or all of them, contain grain alcohol, like forty-two to fifty-five percent. I wanted to find out your thoughts on putting that type of solution in one's eye. I don't want to put any alcohol into the eye because it can uh, damage tissue. Uh, the trouble is a lot of the damage is done is slight, not severe. But when people get the habit of doing it on a regular basis, it can become worse. So there are some natural solutions you can put in the eye that have no alcohol in them. And you could ask at any of the natural uh, natural pharmacies around like a Hickey pharmacist or one of the compounding pharmacies, and they'll show you those. There's also homeopathic eye solutions that you can use. There's some Bach flower eye solutions you can use. So there's no shortage of good eye solutions that you could use that are non-alcohol. All the best to you, Walter, in Virginia. And let's say hello to Luann Panessi, who's a holistic nurse, a nurse practitioner for nearly 40 years. 
and she takes a lot of the calls and emails from people and then selects those to present on the show. Hi, Luann. Hello, Gary. Um, I love getting emails from your audience. They're, they're so diverse. So many, you know, such a wide age range of, of listeners. Um, I have a, a woman here, Sarah, from Pittsburgh, and she says you, she's been listening for over 12 years, and she says, I love the human interest stories and, of course, all your information about health. And uh, she says, I've been trying to motivate my boyfriend to get himself in shape. And he said, um, last weekend, I was looking at your Facebook photos, and I saw photos of you as you started your world game training. And she says, I was amazed how ripped you look. And she said, my boyfriend, who's actually 10 years younger than you, thought you were about 40 years old. And when he did the math in his head about how long you've been on the air, he said, that can't be Gary Null. So I showed him the other photographs over the decades. And her question is, how do you look so much younger now today than you did in the past? She said, the good news is, is it finally motivated him to come out to the gym with me for the first time the last Sunday. This was from last Sunday. So, bravo. Go ahead. How good, do you, how good, do you well, answer that one? Good for her and, and good for him. Uh, there are several points to this. Let's break them down. Most people will not be self-motivated to get into a really healthy lifestyle and exercise and de-stress unless they're motivated or come to a crisis. You have no idea how many people I've counseled, tens of thousands, who only were interested in health after a heart attack or a stroke or cancer. And uh, then it was their doctor, more often than not, says if you don't change your ways, you're, you're, you, know, you won't survive another one. Or a family member. And those are difficult because if someone wants to change because a family member wants them to change, rarely does that work because then they're going to resent the family member. The irony of it is for the person in the family or a friend who wants someone else to succeed and, and survive, they're now looked upon negatively because you're intruding in my life, dude, don't do it, that kind of attitude. But if you can come to that awareness of why you should change, when you come to an understanding of your own mortality, generally it happens at the age of 40 when everything starts to be looked at. Gee whiz, I'm on the, I'm on the back side of my life now. And we only live about, more or less, and some are more, some are less, than 25,000 days. And thinking how many days we just didn't care about anything. We were just diverted, distracted, apathetic, or so driven we weren't even aware that the day had any meaning except what we were trying to achieve. Yet in other cultures, every day is valued. There is something sacred in the day and in your life and in the people you associate with. Slowing down to the speed of life is important. So that's the first element, getting people aware that they can change, no matter what age they are. The second part of this is that I've posted... Last weekend, I posted, I think, four or five photographs of myself where I'm starting my new training and um, to show what it's like at the beginning of that process. And then about every month, I'll take another picture just to show the kind of changes that can occur. And I do that with a hope to motivate other people if they look at it and say, well, if Gary can do it, I can do it. So that's my hope. 
And uh, that leads up till next August. Now, it was 10 years ago, no, it was eight years ago that, that uh, we did the World Games. You did the uh, 10K and won a silver medal. I did the 20K and won a gold medal in Spain. And people have no idea how much time is devoted to working out and how cross-training and it's nothing at all to spend four hours training in one day. You have to make it a priority. There has to be a reason for it, a legitimate reason, and, and then you commit yourself to it, but not to the point where you imbalance your life. So it, it's, it's, a, it's an effort, but a lot of people I know are trying to get themselves into shape, and along the way maybe just getting themselves into shape to lose a lot of weight they didn't want. But now they lose the weight and they start to have more muscle, they're cut, they feel great, they have more energy, they've had to change their diet, they're, they're more disciplined. And then they start thinking, would you whiz, I'm feeling better than I felt in a long time. So when you start feeling so good, your perception of yourself in that day begin to change, and that's positive too. So it can change your perception so you have a better disposition toward yourself and others. The reason I look different and I, I can... You know, I'm looking younger is because of what I do to flood my body with phytonutrients. I take, I don't tell people what I take or how much I take because I, I know what my body needs. But I also spent my whole life in anti-aging research. So I know, in fact, I'm, I've been invited. My newest paper was, uh, my, was accepted and I'll be uh, being the, one of the keynote speakers at it group of 7,000 scientists on anti-aging in December. So if you take a certain amount of food or juices, you'll have a certain effect. If you take more, you'll have a different effect. It's just like if you start to do good deeds, you'll have one effect. If you do a lot of good deeds, you'll have a different effect. If your disposition is nice sometimes, occasionally, on special occasions, you'll have some impact. But if, you're, if your disposition is nice more often or all the time, it'll have a different effect. So there's like a scale of how much we want to commit ourselves to our ideals. So that's important. Also, there have been times in my life where my normal weight at 190, and that's with a you know, 2.8. You've seen it. You've measured my impedance about 100 times. It generally runs between 1.8 to 2.6. Um, but then when I'm training hard, I'm going to go down to about 170. So there's going to be a different look to the face because... You've lost 20 pounds, and uh, and it, when you're in that heavy race shape, I've actually gone below that 20 years ago, but it was too low. I was very fast, but uh, don't want to, don't care about that speed, don't want to be that thin. When a runner tells you you look great, everyone else is going to say you look bad. So that's the reason of change. But I'll, I'll keep people posted on that and let you see, and hopefully motivates other people to start to do more for themselves. Also want to mention very quickly, Luann, that starting in middle of September, for three months, once a week, we're doing a new uh, lifestyle modification study group. Uh, the last one we did was on arthritis. This one is going to be on weight loss, a holistic weight loss. And in that, we're going to also measure uh, blood sugar and blood pressure uh, and cholesterol level to help people who may have elevated blood sugar, elevated cholesterol, and elevated uh, uh, diabetic or pre-diabetic conditions. And we'll do impedance testing, too, so we can measure before and after concentrations of fat in the body. Yeah, and but a person must be qualified to get in uh, to the study. And so 
if people want to be in this study, we'll meet once a week in Manhattan for uh, 12 meetings for three months. It will be filmed so we can have a before and after. People will be keeping medical journals every day. Uh, there will be n no one will be asked to go off their medication. You'll still be seeing your regular doctor. But it will be strictly lifestyle and behavior modification. I have some new protocols, and I believe it will help people so they never have to diet again, and they'll lose weight in a healthy way. Give them the information so they can reach out to you now so you can start uh, selecting the people. Surely. Uh, you can contact me at 631-504-6198. Again, 631-504-6198. Or you can email me at whnn at AOL.com. That's W-H-N-N at AOL.com. Thank you, Luann. And I want to thank all of you for taking time to listen to this program. I look forward to sharing more on tomorrow's show. Have a nice day, everyone. <laughs>